Hi there, welcome to Glenlyden Baptist Church's podcast network. We're glad you can join us today. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us on our website, www.gebc.org.nz. We hope you enjoy the pod. Okay, so, what letter are we up to today, team? Number six. We've got two to go. Number six. Number six. All right, thank you, Christy. Imagine that you are preparing to go on an overseas holiday. And in your preparation, you open up a map or you Google the country, and, or you get a travel guide, and you, and, you, and you look through the country that you're going into, and you, you look at the destination and the points of interest, and, and you start to go, well, I just want to go here, and I want to go there. Oh, my bucket list thing has always been to go there, and I want to I go there. I know someone who lives there. I want to go there. And, and as you're trying to put your holiday together, as you're trying to bring through the pieces, you realize... You don't have enough time to do it all, right? And so you begin to narrow it down. What are the destinations and points of interest that I want to go to that are actually going to give me the best sense of the culture and the people of this country, right? And so you're in the center and you try to pull it together. And this is a little bit like going through the letter we're going through today. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 through to 13. The letter to Philadelphia. It's a little bit the same way in that there's, there's so many destinations and points of interest in this letter. If you were reading a travel guide back in the day, it might go a little bit like this. Philadelphia is located on the, the Kogamus River, about 105 miles east of Smyrna, about 25 miles southeast of Sardis. Philadelphia was founded later than many of the other Asia minor cities. A city was established on one of the highways leading into the interior of the region. The name Philadelphia means brotherly love. Philadelphia is a prosperous city. It's aptly called the Little Athens because of its rich tapestry of people and culture and festivals and magnificent public buildings and huge temples. The city is known for its Numerous vineyards and an abundant production of wine. Why, you can even take a wine-tasting donkey tour. It will be fun. This focus on wine led, led to the citizens in Philadelphia into the worship of Dionysus, the god of wine. The city has a strong presence of Christianity. However, the whole city is not being converted but it's a rich mixture of all religions. The church in Philadelphia, interestingly, is called a pillar in the temple. This came about because of its many earthquakes, it said. In fact, one of the earthquakes that hit the city so bad that the Roman emperor Tiberius relieved it of having to pay taxes. In response, the city granted honors to Tiberius. And strangely enough, the coins in Philadelphia, they're unique as well. You might want to save one for the journey home. Um, it, it has a unique inscription on it, the word neo-Koran, which means caretaker of the temple. 
Why, you won't be disappointed if you take the time to stop at Philadelphia, to take in the sights and the points of interest. Would that be a place you want to go to? Does that sound exciting? You guys don't like going on holiday? I don't know. I want to go there. This sounds cool. You know, as we read the letter of Revelation, I want you to pick up, if you can, the destinations and the points of interest. See how many you get as we read through the letter. And then we'll see if your tally is the same as mine. Does that sound fair? All right. So as we read this letter, I want you to notice a couple of things. Number one, there's a phrase that says, a pillar in the temple. Now remember, in our travel guide to Philadelphia, there was the term, a pillar in the temple. That comes up in the reading today. And the other one is the caretaker of the temple. I want you to take careful note of these things as we go through. But remember, start adding up those destinations and points of interest, and let's see how many you get. There will not be a paper, scissors, rock thing at the end of it. Okay. The NIV. All right. To the church in Philadelphia. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. Whatever he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See? I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one can take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God, And the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. How many did you get? Who got 15 points of interest and destinations? Who got 14, 13, 12, 11, 10? Anyone listen? Nine, eight, seven? Six, five, four, three, two. Did anyone get one? Yes. One point of interest. This will be fast. Okay. I got 15. I'm going to read them out to you. In fact, I think as I looked at this earlier, I think actually I got 16. I think I put two together. So let me read them out. These are destinations in this letter or points of interest that you could stop on and go, you know what? I need to know more about this or that. Here they come. The words of him who is holy and true. Did anyone get that one? Thank you. The key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. What he shuts, no one can open. He is placed before you an open door that no one can shut. Synagogue of Satan. Jews who are liars. 
Bow at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. You might have missed that one. The hour of trial that would test the world. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have. The crown. I will make you a pillar in the temple. I will write on them the name of God and the city, the new Jerusalem. I will write on them my new name. There's a truckload, right? Destinations, points of interest that we can land on in this letter. But you know what? We don't have enough time. We don't have enough time to do all of that. It's too much. So I've landed on four. Can we handle four? All right. (laughs) All right. Okay. While we visit these four destinations, what we have to try and decide when we read a letter like this is actually what is Jesus actually trying to say to the church? What is it he's trying to say? When you've got so many destinations, so many points of interest in the letter, and you don't have the time to go through it, what, what, if you could nail it down, what is he trying to say? I think he's trying to say this. Jesus is encouraging the church by showing them the richness of who he is and of their true nature and destination. I'll read it to you one more time. Jesus is encouraging the church by showing them the richness of who he is and of their true nature and destination. I believe that is what Jesus is trying to say through this entire letter to Philadelphia. So let's start with our four destinations. Let's start with number one. Jesus is holy and true, verse 7, number 1. Here Jesus is identifying himself as being holy and true. Now to the church in Philadelphia, to hear that would have given them great encouragement because they knew that in the Old Testament, particularly in the book of Isaiah, that this terminology, holy and true, was the name of God given there. And if you read the book of Isaiah, you see this name of God, holy and true, coming up through the Scripture. And so they would have heard it and gone, yes, this is God. Mm. Now, because Jesus is holy, they would have thought to themselves, well, he cannot lie. He's faithful. He's trustworthy. And so when Jesus identifies himself like this, you can imagine them being encouraged, right? He's both holy and true. Hebrews chapter 7 says that Jesus actually is a better priest than any of the priests in Israel. In fact, in verse 26 in Hebrews 7, it describes him like this. Jesus is the high priest. You can't get any higher than that, by the way. He's the high priest, holy innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Mm. John 14, 6, Jesus identifies himself to his disciples as the truth. Remember, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so when the church in Philadelphia hear the word, I am holy and true, they go, oh. God is with us. God is speaking to us. We can believe everything that the holy and true says. You can know it to be true. This should comfort us today. When you hear that, you should know that when Jesus wants to speak to us through his word, 
you can go, yes, this is Jesus, the holy and true one. I can sit in his word and believe it to be true. I can rest in his promises. I don't have to believe the lies anymore. I can rest into the promises of God because he's holy and true. That's number one. Number one, he's holy and true. And the second one, the key of David in verse 7, this one's fun. There's, there's tension in Philadelphia, tension between the Christians and the Jews in the city because the church considered itself to be the new Israel. Because they had accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And, and this called a, caused a rift between the Christians and the Jews because they both claimed to be God's people. You can, you can imagine, you know, if we're standing beside the Mormons, the Mormons believe they're God's people, and we believe we're God's people. It creates a tension, but only one of us can be right. And this is what's going on here. The Jewish Christians were called by the Jews, they were called apostate, which means that they've left their religion and gone to another one. That's another way of saying you just losers, you're gone. And they would be called that by their own relatives, by their families. And then they were accused of being troublemakers. The Christians were accused of being troublemakers. They insisted that the Jews, and not Christians, had the open door to God's presence and the keys to the kingdom. However, the one to be holy and true, says to the church in Philadelphia and assures them that they are the heirs to salvation. Why? Because Jesus is the one who holds the key of David. No one else holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. What he shuts, no one can open. He is holy and true. And Jesus set an open door before the church that no one can shut. No matter what we face, no matter what we go through, no matter the persecution we might face for the faith that we have, no one can shut the door that Jesus has opened before us, his sons and daughters. There's a really intriguing story in Isaiah 22 about the key. A really cool story. We come face to face with a, with a guy called Shebna. Shebna, he had charge of the palace and the Judean king. The prophet Isaiah said to the Lord, said that the Lord would replace Shebna with a man called Eliakim, a king. The Lord would place upon Eliakim's shoulder the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. And so Eliakim becomes the gatekeeper with the power to control entry into the palace. He alone can decide who could or could not have access to the king. You see, this story is full of imagery and, and prophecy of the time when Jesus, he would be the one who holds the key of David. Jesus is the one and the only one who can grant access to the king. God the Father, access to God. And so the church in Philadelphia, facing this kind of persecution, even from their relatives, receive this encouragement 
that at Philadelphia, they, that church has access to God. No one can deprive them of it, no matter what they say, no matter what they do. Why? Because Jesus opens the door for the church. We are his royal household. And he allows us to come into the presence of his Father. No one. There's no one on this planet that can deprive you of that privilege. Nobody. No one can deprive you. Why? Because Christ has granted you salvation. The door is open into the presence of God as kingdom and eternal life. And so we have the holy and true Jesus, who we can trust, who holds the key and the door open for all who love him to come and to pour in. And then thirdly, there's an unexpected twist in this letter in verse 9. So we already discovered the church is intimidated, right, by those who claim to be Jews and though they are not. In fact, it says they are liars and they are labeled as a synagogue of Satan. Isn't that interesting? Because Satan is the prince of liars, isn't he? And Jesus is labeling the Jews, the synagogue of Satan, they're liars. And so there's this unexpected twist that, that would have greatly encouraged the church, but not the Jews of that time. You see, the Jews in Philadelphia will concede that the church, one day they will concede that it is the church that contains the true people of God. And what's being alluded to here is that the Jews are no longer the people of God as a national or ethnic group since they've rejected Jesus as their Messiah. The new Israel is the church. The church is the true Israel of God. These Jews will ultimately, it says in this passage, have to acknowledge that Jesus is the one who loves the church. Jesus used the key of David to set open the door before the church, not the synagogue. The door to the synagogue might be closed to the Christian, but the door to Christ's heavenly kingdom is wide open. And anyone who acknowledges Jesus as Lord is welcome. Jesus alone holds the key to God's presence and the church's salvation. Have you met Jesus yet? Have you met Jesus? Have you walked through the open door into the presence of God the Father that you can have access to? Have you met him? There's a time coming when the Jews will acknowledge their Savior and the church as the people of God. In fact, Romans 11, 26 alludes to this. They will bow down to the true people of God and to what? And in that time, all Israel, that is, the Israelite people as a whole, will be saved. Jesus is holy and true. He holds the key and the doors wide open. And salvation is there for His church and for those who love Him and accept Him. And then the last point I want to draw out of this magnificent place called Philadelphia is the promise to the church that he gives in verses 10 to 12. Because the church in Philly has kept faith with Jesus, 
He will keep them from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. 3.10 The hour of trial refers to the affliction on the world to come before God's kingdom is established on earth. It's an hour of trial. There will be persecution in that time. And we've been called to be faithful witnesses to the rule and the authority of God in this godless world. And we will face persecution because of it. But know this, your name is written in the book of life. And we will be delivered and saved for all eternity. The church might suffer persecution, but it will not be destroyed. The gates of Hades will not come against it. It's because the hour of trial, when it comes upon the world to try those who live in the earth, doesn't necessarily apply to the church. And some of you may want all of these references out of Revelation later on. I'm not going to give them to you now. But essentially in Revelation, the phrase, the whole world or those who live on the earth, is always used for the godless world or the enemies of the church. And if anyone wants those references later, I can give them to you. So Jesus promises that the faithful in Philadelphia, that he will make them pillars in the temple of God. A pillar. In those days, he used to write names on, on the pillars. But God says, I'll make you a pillar in the kingdom of my God, in, 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 my God, in God's temple. And they will never leave his presence, ever. Jesus also promised to write three names on every believer. The name of God, the name of the new Jerusalem, and Christ's new name. And God will honor and bless his people in these three ways. First, the believer will have God's name. You will have God's name. In the Old Testament, the Lord told the priest to pronounce blessings on Israel. And it concluded with this thought in Numbers 6.27. It says, so they will put my name on the Israelites. That is, the priests will put God's name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. You will have God's name upon you. He will bless you. Secondly, to be named with the city of God, the new Jerusalem. I believe this is symbolic of saying that every believer has citizenship in God's kingdom. You have citizenship in the kingdom of God. You've got God's name on you, and you've got citizenship in His kingdom, the new Jerusalem. Thirdly, the believer is to have Christ's own new name. I think that this could refer to the, to the fuller revelation of Jesus Himself to each and every one of us when we see Him face to face. 1 John 3, 2 says, Dear friends, we are already God's children, but He has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He really is. Jesus is holy and true. You can trust Him. He holds the key of David. And the door, friends, is wide open. It is not shut to us. 
you will have the name of God upon you. The name of the new Jerusalem, the city, and in Christ's own new name. And you will be pillars in God's temple. And you will never leave. Jesus is encouraging Glen Eden Baptist Church by showing us the richness of who He is and the true nature, our true nature, and our true destination. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Mm. God is good. Thanks again for joining with us today. If you'd like to know more information on the church or reach out to one of the pastors, please visit our website www.gebc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day.